Listener Production. You are listening to episode 175 of the Howie Games, part B featuring wrestling trio The New Day. You can watch The New Day on Binge, the new streaming home of WWE in Australia. You'll see all the action there. Check it out. Alrighty, let's get back to Kofi, E and Xavier. So you, you as a group uh, badged as The New Day. Now, this is this is what I really want to talk to you about. This podcast um, was aimed to be positive and motivational for the audience, a, a really positive space where people can go away and, and learn from athletes like you t- to put things into their, into their life. So it's better that you, one of you guys explain to me the different approach New Day took to wrestling, um, the positivity, the colours, the dancing, and how that was initially received and then why you think it's become so successful in what is in many ways a really negative world in many ways but you guys have provided a bright spot that has won the audience over and gone against traditional themes. Would it be fair to say? Yeah, very much so. I, I think. And congratulations, by the way, on your success in doing that and bringing positivity to your sport. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's interesting actually because at the very start, we wanted to be this militant, hard-edged, we're not going to shake hands and play by the rules anymore. That was originally what the plan was. And then, you know, the creative kind of changed and we kind of hit a wall with that. Uh, so we eventually, we had to go back to the drawing board time and time again. And several months later, um, the end result was that we ended up being really the inspiration, you know, kind of from the office, from creative was they wanted us to be this kind of troop of of happy-go-lucky preachers, you know, spreading this gospel-like message. And we had these vignettes that we shot with uh, this all female chorus and it was very preachery and that kind of came from me kind of tooling around i grew up in the church and that was something that like i was familiar with but that's not kofi and wood's experience that didn't really work well uh for them so for us it was we fought very hard to even get into a position where we could be together on tv so we said look this is our one opportunity this is what we're given let's do the best with it so initially uh you know you were alluding to us not being received well and that was very much the case you know we were coming out here with this very, uh, you know, on the surface, a very positive message, like preaching to people to uplift themselves. And it wasn't well received. You know, they instead of being behind us, we got these New Day Sucks chants and it was clear it wasn't going well. But eventually... How, how's that as an athlete and a performer? And you've talked about what's required to lift the crowd. So when you're out there and you're getting negative feedback, immediate negative feedback, yeah. how are you dealing with that as athletes and performers? We, yeah. we, were, we, were, we were frustrated. Um in a way, because we, so we were in a position where we felt like we were three underutilized talent, younger talent. Yep. Kofi had been around for quite some time and had done some incredible things, but he still hadn't really scratched the surface in what he could truly do and what his potential was. Woods came in with what he argues is, and I would agree, probably the worst WWE debut of yes. all time. <laughs> it's a yes. very it's bad one. Horrible. <laughs> I've, so what happened, Woodsy? I've, I've been wrestling, next year I've been wrestling for 20 years. Yeah. I've been with WWE since 2010. I didn't get my own theme music until uh, till I won King of the Ring, what, two years ago? And then, and at that point, I only had I only had it for three months. Wow. So I'm one, I'm a very, very, very rare case in the company. Horrible debut. What happened on debut? Uh, it, 
it just, I, I, so we have a wrestler named R-Truth who is incredible. He yep. is hilarious. He's very talented. Uh, I got put with him. And rather than being in a situation where they say, hey, there's this new talent coming onto the show. Let's show some videos before he debuts. <laughs> Let's give him a, a match where he is the spotlight. It was Truth coming out, doing his shtick, and then going, oh, here's my friend, Woods. <laughs> and then we had a tag, and then we had a match. And it's like, but but you also, you you came out. On, there's no name. Usually, like the first time you see someone on TV, the announcers are talking. They're they're saying their name. They're talking about their background. They're going. This man comes out. There's no like lower third graphic there's with no his graphic name. Anything for you? He, he just comes out unexplained for like a, a while while our truth is doing his thing. Which was his thing is doing a full song. He raps a full song. <laughs> and you're just hanging off the corner. Just hanging out. This new guy we've never yes. seen before. Barely on the, on the in the camera. <laughs> a lot of these young superstars come up with a big league, so to speak, John in WWE. You can have all the potential in the world, but you have to now prove yourself at this level. Xavier Woods has done exceptionally well in NXT. I expect him to do the same here, but you never know. You are the general manager of NXT. At least you know who he is tonight. He's like, hey, here's my friend Xavier Woods, and the camera pans over. I'm like, hey, hey guys. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm here too. Cool. And our truth gonna make the tag, and here comes the kid. Xavier Woods. And he calls out the honor roll. And we've seen this, and NXT is low. Best in the woods for Xavier Woods. The cover on McIntyre. Hook of the leg, and Xavier Woods. And Truth pick up the win. Impressive debut for Xavier Woods. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's that's what makes wrestling wrestling is the ebbs and flows and trying to figure out if you're going to sink or you're going to swim. And like yeah. I said before, like I'm the kind of person who's going to refuse to just sit there and let life happen to me. Um, and that's when I found these guys. Yeah, so, so what what do you reckon what do you reckon instigated the change from New Day sucks to people saying, Oh, these guys are okay to all of a sudden you are a beloved, massive part of what your organization does? Yeah. Well well, I think it was definitely when they took the reins off, it was really you know, I I, I get it. I think for a lot of talent, I think some people there there's in the same level of trust. So what we do as performers is we're given, you know, generally a directive, but the best performers, they make what they're given, they make it their own. Yep. They find a way to put their own spin on it, to, to say things in their own voice. And I think for us, there wasn't that same level of trust. So it was, we were given things and it was, the, you know, we were told, you know, stand here when you do, you know, during your entrance, do this during your entrance. Very micromanaged. And for us, like, we didn't really get a real, a real chance to express ourselves in an authentic way. And it was eventually, after a while, when we went out there and they saw that we, we eventually just went to our boss and said, hey, listen to the reaction. This is not going the way you intend it to go. Hmm. We need a change. And eventually he relented and said, you know what? All right, fine. Do it your way. And we were allowed to, to turn heel and it was when we turned heel and we're not the happy-go-lucky baby. So we were kind of doing, we started doing things with kind of a wink and a smile. We started doing things in our own way. We started adding our own flavor and putting our own voice to things. And and uh, one of the things that we didn't like oftentimes is in in our company, you know, for years, people would try to bring in pop culture, but it would be so dated. It'd be these references from decades ago. And we wanted to bring in this very real, authentic, like, what are people talking about right now? What is happening on Twitter right now that people are invested in? What What is the scuttlebutt right now? We wanted to... <laughs> Why is that weird? A scuttlebutt. A That's a good word. Yeah, people, people do say that. What is a scuttlebutt right now? Yes. I said that this morning. But anyways, that was it. Open up your eyes, New Day. We run this show. You think you run the show? 
Honey. That's so cute. With your little hats and hoodies. Oh. See, we know the man who actually runs the show. One Shane McMahon. It was when they eventually said, all right, let, when they eventually gave us more freedom, when they allowed us to put more of ourselves into what we were doing, and we got to be ourselves and bring that energy. And that's what really allowed us to take off. And uh, really, man, that was such an incredible time yeah. because it just felt like we were throwing different things at the wall. We were seeing if they stuck. And so many times they did, like seeing a trombone in wrestling. I've never seen, a, this man came out with a trombone and people lost their minds. Were you applying it, it? Yes. Yeah, so I played trombone. So again, trying to gain skills, yeah. doing all these sports. I was also in band. I played wow. trombone. And we were at a point where uh, we were trying to see how long the leash was, what yeah. we could do. And so they said, oh, you know, what if you guys do a parody of uh, this uh, was it Sinatra? Yeah, uh, New York, New York. New York, New York. Yeah. yeah. And I said, we're in the car. I'm like, I'm going to ask him for a trombone because I think I can play it. I can play it by <laughs> ear maybe if I get the melody down. And uh, we asked him and got a text back a few minutes later. Yeah, we'll get a trombone. And then all of a sudden, what? what? <laughs> and now... We give to you your feature presentation. Presenting Xavier Woods. Feature presentation. <laughs> oh, good grief. We well, you know Xavier was trained by Chief J. Trombone. We got something to say. We are your new tag champs. New, new day, new day. day. And so uh, the whole stick was supposed to just be uh, play the trombone. And then when you get to the bottom of the ramp, we'll hand it to one of our, one of our guys who will take it to the back and then we'll do our match. And in my head, it said, I don't think I'll ever be able to play trombone on TV again. So I'm going to keep this right now. <laughs> and then we'll just play it during the match. And when we got to the back afterwards, everyone was crying, laughing. They're like, you always have a trombone. That's your thing now. And so she essentially became my girlfriend. Right. Her name is Francesca. She was broken one time. And so we had a funeral for her. We are gathered here to remember the life and times of the fourth member of the New Day. Francesca the trombone. We've got a new one. It's it's this weird evolution. But to your point of uh, getting uh, negative feedback. That's also a good thing because the worst thing that can happen to you is no feedback at all. Yeah. And so one of the things that was really important to us. Um, so again, dipping into uh, my cheerleader background, did that for a little while, is uh, chants with crowds. So we have a lot of chants, just like you guys have chants here. The Aussie, 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 yeah. Aussie. So we thought the best way to make sure that everybody who's in charge understands that when they're cheering, they're not just doing wrestling chants, they're cheering for us. We made our own cadence. So it's... Seamus wants a tag. Big E needs to make it to Kofi. So when people did that, we could say, no, that's specifically for us. That's you guys. They like us or they hate us. And, um, and I think what really, really gave us that extra oomph is the fact that people loved Kofi already. 
he's already so beloved, but hadn't had the chance to have a microphone in his hand a lot. So doing this and us being so hated and people saying New Day sucks and then seeing that Kofi is now talking and he's making jokes and yelling at the crowd and it's all stuff that people weren't used to. That's what I think when they really started buying it to what we were doing and it became this love to hate us type of thing. Mm -hmm. And after you love to hate somebody of, for so long, eventually you just love them. And so that's kind of the journey that we're on. But I, I really do attest that to the fact that Kofi had a microphone in his hand when he didn't get that chance uh, so much beforehand and he just has been crushing it. So so Kofi, you talked about, so you guys wrestle every weekend? It's, yeah. Every weekend there's a show, yeah? Yeah. So, so the, the, we'll get to your injury, big fella, um, in a moment, unfortunately. But talk to me about the physical preparation as an athlete to be able to turn up every weekend and be good to go. Yeah, well, for me personally, I think a lot of it is uh, going back to like uh, working that corporate job, you know, and and walking into work every single day and being completely miserable and scared that this was going to be the rest of my life in this cubicle, you know, in front of this iMac and and taking orders from a boss who I was smarter than, you know what I mean? Like, um, so even like the the worst day at WWE is better than the best day at Staples, you know? So anytime we are able to go out there and, and do what we do in front of a crowd, it's just so like inexplicably energizing. You know, I, I can't even fully describe it to you unless you experience it. Being able to go out and, 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 play with people's emotions or, or make them feel a certain way to have this, um, you know, I don't even want to say like control, but to have an influence over people's emotions. When they come to a WWE show, you don't know what's going on in somebody's life, whether they're going through something that's difficult or there's some toils and troubles or whatever. But when they come to that WWE show for as long as they're in front uh, or there, we are performing in front of them. They forget all of that. You know, there's no animosity. Everybody's come together, all different types of, you know, races and backgrounds, genders and all of that. Which is come a together. gift it's, to be able to give people. It's amazing. It really is. And then even particularly with the kids, you know, um, for me, um, you know, like I, by by all uh, standards, like I wasn't supposed to be here. I was not 6'8". You know, um, I, I wasn't like a big strappingly strong man. I have really skinny calves. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have any internal muscle on my chest. It's Look at the big guy just chuckling chest. with, the, you with know his big saying? chest there if, looking yeah, at you. Exactly. <laughs> He's jiggling a little bit. You know, that's not me. You know, we were just in an interview just now and we were talking about like, oh, what do you guys do to physically prepare? And they asked, was they asked? Yeah, they didn't ask me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, I asked so, you. Yes. I asked Thank you for that. You. Thank you for that. But, and it's fine. But, you know, it's just that um, when you're able to go out and impact people lives in a positive way it's so empowering you know because this when i first uh had goals and aspirations of becoming a wwe superstar they're all very selfish i want to be the champion i want to hold all the titles and i want everyone to know who i am and i want to go out there and be the best and that's cool you know being in matches winning matches is cool but what's even cooler is being able to influence people's lives in a positive way we are all living out our dream right now you know, we're in Australia right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to explain to my kids. I'm like, yeah, we're in Melbourne. We were in Sydney yesterday. And they don't understand. You know what I mean? They don't understand, like, how unique and how cool it is to, to be in this uh, position. Um, so when people, uh, like, w- w- when, they, when they look to us as their beacons of light, their beacons of hope, and we're able to deliver on that, like, how cool is that? I want everybody in the world to be able to experience one-tenth of the success and the joy that I get from being with these guys in the ring and doing these kinds of, you know, interviews and just hanging out. Like if you can 
experience that in your life, like you're winning, man. Like, so you owe it to yourself to go out there and try no matter what anybody tells you, no matter what you think your odds are of completing or being successful at whatever it is that your goal are, that your goal is, no matter how far off it might seem like you owe it to yourself to try, because what if, what if you do it? You know what I mean? Like, what if, like you beat the odds, you know, it's the best thing in the world. Back to the new day, surely a quick thank you from me to you for all the love, all the love for the Harry Garside episode. I am glad he made such a positive impression on so many people. I got so many messages on social media at Mark Howard, 03, Twitter, Insta, etc. I really appreciate it when the messages come through, especially when they're positive. I also received a message this week out of the blue from a fella named John who lives in Seattle. John's an American chap who somehow came across the podcast and listened to the Benny Graham episode describing the AFL star turned NFL punter as I quote, I quote Johnny from Seattle here, the most joyous storytelling in the history of podcasting, which is a big rap. Not sure he's listened to many podcasts, Johnny, but if he has, I appreciate the rap. So with a rap like that, you better have a listen if you missed it to Ben Graham on episode 67. So go back to, to the the week, the two-week leader. So, the, yeah, the first week is Ben installing the game plan um, and then you travel. we travel to Tampa Bay for the second week. And you're effectively in lockdown. I mean, you, you are, you're not going anywhere without security. There's security guards on every floor. The perimeter of the hotel surrounded. Um, you... you the, there's obviously an obvious buzz because you're about to play in a Super Bowl on that next Sunday, but at practice there's helicopters, there's there's obviously there's people looking for tickets, there's people coming from Australia. There's I mean it's media is um, is out of control, but we're sort of living inside the bubble. There's a media day because I was looking at the media day last night on YouTube, and you had your own little. I don't know if shelter is the right term, but there seemed to be quite a fair bit of interest. And I'm sure it was all, you know, the guy from down under and Jesus kangaroos. And well, it's funny you mention that because there is. So the media day is where players have the opportunity to tell their story, to talk about their journey. But the club um, picks 10 players to sit in a booth so it's generally your quarterback, your star running back, your wide receivers, your playmakers on defence. Uh, so I was told that I'm sitting in booth number 10. <laughs> you got a booth. You got a booth. I got a booth. The man from Leopold. And my teammates that didn't get a booth were furious. <laughs> Who is this guy, this South African? <laughs> this were, we, were, Like it was serious, you know... And, and I was quite humbled by it. Um, and after the initial media swarm at Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald, my booth became the biggest hub for the world's media because they thought I had the best story to tell based on where I'd come from. That is Ben Graham on episode 67 of the show. Let's get back to the new day. When it goes wrong, big fella. Um, You've had a really nasty injury. Those that are into the sport will be aware, but those don't listen to the show, explain what happened, explain what physically happened to you. Yeah, so we had a match, we had a tag team match. Uh, it was Kofi and I, actually at the time, uh, Woods was also out with an injury. Um, so we had a tag team match in March of 2022, and uh, there was just a move that went awry, 
And I ended up uh, kind of getting dumped on my head. And I broke my neck at the C1, which is obviously your a very, very important uh, vertebrae. Did, so, did you realize at the time something had gone wrong? When I, you... Yeah, as soon as it happened, I, I knew I kind of landed on my head. I was still with it. I didn't go out or anything like that. I wasn't concussed. But I know I knew at, at the time I thought, all right, this is probably, I knew something, I knew it was a strain or something. I thought a strain. I thought something. I didn't think broken neck. Biggie knew what was coming. And now Ridge with a throw is I was still able to move my limbs right away. I, I was okay. moving around fine. Good. I know I didn't black out. I didn't lose consciousness. So I knew, all right, it couldn't be that bad. I'm still moving around. But I also knew not to get up and move. And very, very quickly, and again, like, thank you so much to everyone, the EMTs, to uh, the training staff with WWE, everyone. I, I thought when they were rushing over with the board and putting me in the neck brace and all that, I thought, all right, we're overreacting, but I get it. You know, just in case, let's go to the proper measures. But then finally getting to the hospital, I found out I broke my neck, uh, my C1 in two places. Uh, so it's a Jefferson fracture is what they call that particular type of fracture. And then I also broke my C6. The C6 not being as big of a deal, but it's still a broken neck. Um, so thankfully uh, for me, we were actually in Birmingham, Alabama. And for us with WWE, Birmingham is where they send everyone. If you have an injury, oftentimes, like that's that's usually... The home. Great, incredible uh, medical staff there. And we have a relationship. We all know uh, Dr. Dugas at Birmingham. So like for me, I, I like thinking of we go to so many different cities and the fact that it was in Birmingham and I was able to the, the hospital was, I think, just a couple miles away. So we we're very able. We were get to, able to get to the hospital very, very quickly. It was very efficient. And I'm so thankful to everyone who was very professional, who handled things immediately and the right way to make sure nothing happened to me. So yeah, after that happened, I kind of laid out. We were very near the end of the match anyways, and uh, Kofi uh, ended up finishing the match. Everything went down, and as that was happening, they're taking care of me. They get me to the hospital and just kind of waiting to hear what's happened. But knowing that I could move, I, I didn't think it was that bad. But they eventually let me know everything that was that you know that that happened, and we just kind of talked about the next steps and what that would look like. Initially, they told me, you know, it looks like you'll just be in a brace, in a neck brace for a couple months, and then hopefully you, you should be good. So the news, you know, coming out of the hospital was was really, really good um, as far as like, hey, there's no ligament damage. Yep. There's no damage to the discs. I've herniated a disc uh, in my low back before, uh, and that was excruciating. I had none of that pain. So I was so thankful. I had no nerve pain, no function issues, none of those things. Even when my neck broke, there was no displacement because, uh, you know, one of the things that I eventually had a doctor's appointment uh, a week or so later in Tampa, and they told me, you know, if one of those bones had been displaced and wasn't able to heal like, together, they would have had to uh, probably fuse my neck. Um, if one of those pieces floated off in a different direction, wow. that means my spinal cord. So I, obviously we're talking about paralysis, we're talking about potential stroke, and we're talking about death. You know, there are people with a very similar injury that's it's often associated with like diving injuries in shallow pools, or, uh, you know, when people hit their heads, it's a very similar, it's kind of the similar way that I landed, that Jefferson fracture. And I'm so thankful, like, if, if that bone was displaced, my life would, if I was still alive, would, would look very different. So, for me, honestly, it was like best case scenario for, for a, a, the way I broke my neck. And uh, so I ended up actually, we got some more scans at about the, I think, the two-month period. And things weren't quite healing the way they wanted. Uh, so I spent another month in a neck brace. At one point, they were talking about a halo, and you know they, they have to yeah. put the screws in and all that, and that's very uncomfortable and unwieldy. Uh, but thankfully, you know, it was just uh, they added. Uh, it ended up being twelve weeks in the neck brace, 
And so we got some more scans, too, at the six-month mark. And still, it's healing. So my C1 is healing fibrously. So it's all, like, kind of healing together, but it's not ossifying. It's not fully turning into bone yet. So right now, the plan is for me to wait until the one-year mark. So that's March of 2023 to see how things are fully healing. But um, for me, man, I uh, a lot of people, thank God, you know, have they've, they've checked in and asked, like, how are you doing mentally and whatnot? Yeah. And honestly, I have been great. I, I know it sounds like this should be the hardest year of my life and actually was an amazing year. I had uh, a really, really great year. And I owe that to a lot of people. For one, uh, Kofi and Woods are the best partners possible. We call each other brothers. We, we tell each other we, we love you all the time. Uh, those guys were there for me in the hospital. They stuck around w- way longer than they had to um, or, or needed to. They had, uh, they had to drive. To the next town that's what we do it's a very blue collar job in many ways and that we drive ourselves to the very next town to wrestle the next night and they had a long drive ahead of themselves and they still stuck around they always checked in on me they always supported me um so them uh the wwe staff honestly not being a brown nose by any means they've all been incredible everyone's been incredible uh tavia and talent relations has been incredible she actually took time to fly down uh to stay with me um, just to make sure I can get around because I live alone to make sure I didn't have any issues with mobility. And then a few weeks later after WrestleMania, she flew back down to check in on me. So uh, I've had such from a medical standpoint, the company taking great care of me from a support system standpoint, from so many of my friends, so many of my coworkers just sent me things. Uh, I love Seinfeld and I talk way too much about it. So I had uh, Ali, uh, God bless him. He sent me a Seinfeld Lego set. <laughs> I had some other friends send me uh, Seinfeld books. Uh, and, and I also talk so much about meditation. It's something I've that's been immensely helpful for me. And I had a bunch of people send me uh, books on Buddhism and meditation. And, and that has also been a huge help for me during this time. I think if this had happened five years ago or so, I don't know if I would have been able to handle it as well mentally or, or even close. It might have really uh, led to a spiral for me, but mm. uh, meditation has really just helped me stay present. It has helped me to uh, just be grateful. I'm so grateful. That was my big thing. My takeaway wasn't, what was me? Or why did this happen to me? Or like my career? It was, I am so thankful that I'm still here, that I'm still alive. I can use my limbs. I, uh, I'm not in pain. This could have been so much worse. And it just I just had this real sense of gratitude for my support system, for the people around me, for the fact that uh, I still get to, to live another day. And uh, I think as I get older, you know, we had uh, we all uh, worked with a man by the name of John Huber. Um, uh, Brody Lee uh, was a name he wrestled under. We all called, called him Brody. Uh, Luke Harper was the, his ring name in WWE. And uh, he passed away kind of out of nowhere uh, a couple years ago. And he and I, the last several years of his life, we became really close. He has a great family, um, two beautiful sons and a wife. And uh, he passed away and he was someone I talked to every single day, like texted every single day. He was someone I, I told I love you and I meant it. Um, he ended up uh, living, uh, moving down, down to Tampa and he lived about 15 minutes from me. And he was someone that I just kind of thought like, oh yeah, we're going to spend the you know next several decades of our lives having you know Sunday dinners and you know, seeing his kids grow up and doing all those things. And he's just gone. And uh, I think it just reminds you of the impermanence of life, of all of this, like everything. Um, it has an expiration date. All of it does. And uh, I think I'm someone who probably thinks about death maybe a little bit too much, but not, not in a dark way. Um, for me, it just reminds me that because this can all be gone at any moment, to embrace it, to be present, to cherish it, 
the fact that, uh, you know, I was, a few days ago, we were at dinner in Sydney mm -hmm. and just looking out and I'm getting to like, these guys who I call brothers, who I love, who we spent almost a decade together. We're, we're in Australia getting to have this incredible dinner, even just being here in this moment in Melbourne with you, just having a Thank conversation you. about life is amazing. I never, I was just a kid from Tampa who was trying to make something of his life. I never foresaw any of these incredible things I've been able to do. So if anything, I didn't walk away, like I said, with any of those what was me attitudes. And I've never felt that way. I've always just been grateful for all of this. And I'm grateful that, you know, regardless of what happens with my career or, or anything moving forward, I'm, just, I'm grateful that I got another opportunity to experience life. I'm grateful that you're giving me your time on the Howie Games. I'm really grateful. Yeah. One quick question on the base of that. I love Seinfeld. What's your favorite episode? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so hard to pick a favorite one, but I might go with The Strike. All right, everybody, I'm back! <laughs> Who are you? Cosmo Kramer. Strike's over. Oh, yeah, Kramer. Uh, what, didn't any of the other guys come back? No, I'm sure they all got other jobs like 10 years ago. Because uh, yeah. I watch that every December 23rd. <laughs> right. It's the fest Festivus. We celebrate Festivus. So, and that's the episode that has uh, Festivus yeah. in it. Uh, and uh, so that's probably uh, my favorite. I also met Fred Stoller. Uh, did we you? actually did, we got to do a Nickelodeon show together. And he actually sent me the script because he wrote uh, The Soup. And not, people think it's, it's not The Soup Nazi episode. It's the one where Kenny Banya uh, is, yeah. trying, <laughs> is yeah. trying to, to yeah. get his dinner. We're at the yeah. Soup of Meal. Yeah. Yeah. And so I actually have a sign, wow. two signed scripts from him. <laughs> Uh, so that's hard not to pick that one, but if I have to pick one, I'll probably go with the strike simply because of the Festivus episode. I'm going with uh, the marine biologist, George. <laughs> I looked into the eye of the great fish. You mean mammal? From where I was standing, I could see directly into the eye of the great fish. Mammal. Whatever. And I plucked out <laughs> yeah. the Titleist. Yes, the Titleist. <laughs> I knew something was there. So I reached my hand in, felt around and pulled out the obstruction. <laughs> What is that, a title list? <laughs> Best TV ever, I'm mate. telling that story, man, amazing. Best TV ever, mate. You're not wrong. I, I reckon um, your last two answers, Kofi and E, have, we always finish this show the same way and I always say, what advice would you give to kids? I, I think your answer about being grateful has perfectly summarised it, Kofi, as well as your answer, mate, E and Kofi, about being grateful and being someone that's not physically typically of what yeah, you yeah. do, be, being able to find a path. So maybe we finish with you, X, about for all those youngsters listening, what advice would you give them? And I think we've just got some great advice from the boys. Yeah, I'm thinking like, oh, what else can I? Yeah, no, like, they're seriously good answers. So like no pressure on you because this is the most important question in the podcast because there's all these kids out there listening to you guys and enthused by what you do. They might want to be wrestlers. They might want to be piano yeah. players. They might want to be scientists. They might, who knows what they might want to be. But from your experience, what advice would you give to them? Uh, I would say don't. Don't let society put you in a box and tell you what you are or tell you what you can do or tell you what you can be or even tell you the options of, of what you have available to you. What you can imagine, what you can think up is something that you can do. So for instance, E saying that he didn't know that wrestling was an option. Mm. And now look at him. All of the amazing things he's been able to do. People telling Kofi that he was undersized and look at him, what he's able to do. I got the same thing. And look at the three of us. There's no one that would have been able to predict 
when we were children, hey, you're gonna meet two other guys and you're gonna have some of the best years of your life living out your dreams, fulfilling so many goals that you didn't even know that you had. So like Kofi was saying earlier, you have all these goals of, I wanna be a WWE superstar, I wanna be champion, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. There's something that really, really hit me like in my soul when we got to do it. There was a point where we became the longest reigning tag team champions of all time. That wasn't on the list, no. but but in that moment, everything was so real. That really, it, it meant that we were doing something that was that was changing things. It was an influential thing. It was something that was inspiring. And so, I would tell kids that whatever it is that you want to do, don't let someone tell you that you're not good enough to do it. Don't let them tell you that you can't gain the skills to do it. Don't let them tell you you're not creative enough to do it. Because as long as you believe you can, then you have a shot but you have to push for it. You have to go forward to it. And don't let, don't let society steer you away from what you see as your path and your goal. Because if you can think it, you can, you can achieve it. I know as cliche as that sounds, mm -hmm. but that's, it's real. It's very real. And, and again, back to what he was saying, understand that we're not here for a long time. Mm. We're here for a good time. Yeah. Make sure that you have as good of a time as possible. Uh, we've been having lots of discussions about that and like what the meaning of life is. And, and I honestly think that for, for me, it might be different for everybody, the meaning of life is to enjoy as many moments as you possibly can and, and be as happy as you can and laugh as much as you can and try to give other people that same feeling and that same emotion. And if we're all doing that for each other, then everybody wins. And that's... <sighs> I don't know. That's that, that's pretty much it. I think that is a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great answer. I, I, I've never done a podcast with three athletes before in one room. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know a great deal about your sport. Um, but to meet such three warm, friendly men that have obviously got such a fantastic bond away from what you do in the ring, and then see you do it in the ring. We we mentioned binge where we can see you guys. It's been a real privilege to, to meet you guys. Um, I'll follow what you do from here on in, but more than that, thanks for coming in here and giving me a real lift with your positivity and your general love and good vibes. So much success to you. Um, hopefully next time you come to Australia, um, it's the winter and I can take you to a yeah. footy game. Um, oh, yeah. so I think you guys would love that, but well. yeah, I can't thank you enough just for the love you've brought to the room. So thank good you. luck, travel safely. We'll be watching you on Binge and it's been an absolute privilege to meet the three of you. Thanks for joining thank me on you. the How We Go. Thanks for having us. Appreciate Thanks for having you. us. Yeah. Outstanding. Right on. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you to Kofi, E and Xavier for bringing some serious happiness to my day. The boys and I were buzzing after meeting the new day. Remember, you can see them on Binge. Until next time, with Tim Zoo. peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. try.